Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Brand Design Masters podcast. I'm Philip Van Dusen, of course, and I am here today with Omar Farouk. And Omar is the CEO and co-founder of Glorify. Omar had me on his podcast a while back, and we kind of hit it off and had a great conversation. And so I invited him on mine because I think he's got a wealth of information that could be really helpful to to you guys um, as we talk about branding and marketing and establishing um, uh, entrepreneurial startups. And Omar has some real opinions about that. And but I'm going to leave it up to him to kind of give the give the cliff notes of of what his uh, bio is. Awesome. Well, thanks, uh, Philip, for that intro. I do appreciate that. And I have to say something before we do get started that uh, I've told you this before. I'm a big fan of yours, uh, you know, ever since I discovered you back in 2017. So to be on this podcast is really, truly an honor and almost a validation for myself, I have to say. So thank you. Well, it's great to have you. I'm, I'm glad you're here. We're going to have a good conversation, I'm sure. So Omar, so if we had to have like, a, what was your LinkedIn profile? What would the headline say? It would say you're the co-founder of Glorify, but give me a couple adjectives after that yeah sure i mean i'm a product builder enthusiast i would say um i'm very passionate about the tech space uh, most recently i think for the past five years i've been head deep into it um you know i, I i'm if i was to give a very quick um intro about myself really I, I'm, I'm a creative professional at core i graduated in motion design in london uh, but like most creative professionals you know we feel i think a lot of my people might resonate with this but we feel we're, we're kind of cursed lacking the sort of sixth sense of entrepreneurship when we start out, right? We're more creative fairies when we begin. And I, the, I, that's how I began, like most creative professionals. Uh, and I was very lucky enough and fortunate enough to stumble upon entrepreneurship kind of by accident. But uh, what, what was really lucky about what I found was the Amazon business, uh, Amazon FBA model, because, mm. um, uh, you know, that's my sort of stepping stone in entrepreneurship. Um, it was the, probably the most easiest business model to to understand. It's literally buying products in China and then shipping them over to Amazon, rebranding it yourself and selling it. And I think, you know, as creative professionals would have an advantage there because they can re you know, they can do their own branding, brand strategy, product imagery, which, which is what I did. And I had that advantage and that's where I saw my first success. And so that's sort of my stepping stone entrepreneurship. And that's where the birth of my love for tech came because I saw a problem in that industry. People who need to design entrepreneurs that are starting out that couldn't afford expensive strategic designers, they, they needed a solution to kind of DIY their way through. And that's where mm. Glorify comes in. So talk about, walk us through that process. So you became an Amazon seller doing Amazon FBA, and then you realized some sort of a hole in the market or some problem that you had that you kind of devised a solution to, but then you realized, oh, a lot of people have this problem. And that's, it sounds like where Glorify was birthed. So why don't you talk about that process a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was interesting because you find this in the tech space a lot that, and more, more recently so that a lot of creative professionals are launching tech products, right? And the pattern is always the same. It, you know, they, they work with clients, they, as a, as a, as a service agency or freelancer would, right. And they discover, um, you know, a process that helps, you know, get the client, the results faster and efficiently and with the most impactful results. Right. And because you kind of have that expert domain, like you, you build that expertise in that domain, 
you realize that, you know, wait a minute, I can potentially make this more efficient through technology. I can automate it or improve it or improve the technology that's already out there that I'm currently using to get the results even better and faster for my client, right? And that's where I think the penny drops for a lot of, um, you know, tech, tech entrepreneurs, uh, creative in the creative field spe- specifically, because they decide, they realize that, Hey, there's an opportunity here. You know, I can, I can build something with my knowledge. And, and that's what literally happened to me is that I was in this entrepreneurship community, specifically Amazon FBA. And I found the problems that, that, that surrounded, you know, the, the, the entrepreneurs launching their products, getting to market and creating impact. And, and so that's where I think the journey started. Um, just to add to that, I would say the process is very important that you build. So while you're helping, while you're building your business or you're servicing clients, um, uh, which is what I ended up doing is I launched my Amazon business and a lot of entrepreneurs started kind of seeking me for, for my own services to help them get to market. And mm-hmm. I was kind of helping them out as well, which eventually turned that side hustle eventually turned to an agency where I was actually helping entrepreneurs full time. Um, and I discovered my process there actually. And that's, you know, where I started refining it, defining it and sharpening it up. And then I eventually, um, you know, I have this mantra where, you know, you need to refine, define and document your process. And once you take, do that, you almost take ownership of your process. And then you realize you can find opportunities where you can improve it through technology. So that's, I would say that's how it happened in a nutshell. So you were, you had products and you were branding your own products and surrounding them with your aesthetic. You were presenting them in a really professional way. And there were other entrepreneurs who you recognized either weren't doing that or they saw you and came to you and said, hey, you got to make my stuff look better as well. And so, and that's kind of where that that agency model came from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so then you're, okay, so then you have an agency, you're helping others and be specific around what you were doing for these people in terms of their branding. You were helping them with their imagery, their design, their logos. What kind of, what were you touching for them? Yeah, sure. So we can, we can dive into that a little bit deeper. Um, so specifically with Amazon, the success, success factors really relies, lies on your product imagery, honestly, because the comp, the comp, the competition is a saturated market and really the competition sort of battlefield is your search result for the particular keyword. So if you're launching a product, let's say in sports and outdoor particular, like maybe um, like uh, footballs, for instance, right? The keyword will be football. So you'll find a list or with a pagination that probably amounts to the thousands on Amazon with different sellers selling football. And it all comes down to that first product image, right? And then dialing that further, dialing that for, uh, down a bit deeper, they then click based on the, you know, the image experience more than so the copy, I would, I would argue, they click the image and they get into the product listing and they, uh, and there's tests and and um, uh, actual studies on this that most uh, buyers online they rush through the images. You know they, they want to almost get the sort of dopamine impact that we get in a physical store of holding the product and experiencing. And the only experience you can have uh, on the in the digital realm is through that product image carousel, of course, right? So that's that's really the psychology of the buyer there. And if you if you understand that, then you'll know okay, how do I lead my, my, a, a potential browser to purchase the product? And that's where the way I looked at it. I was fortunate enough because I'm a motion designer. I worked in a lot of commercials in the past in the broadcast space. I kind of use the principles from there in motion design, which is storyboarding. When you design a commercial, you store it. And stories sell, right? I think we a lot of us in the creative field, we know that, right? 
Um, and so if you drive, in, instead of just presenting your product as a bunch of features in your product image carousel, if you drive a narrative through that carousel, starting with your first image and considering the, maybe the first image, treating it like your front cover of a book or a poster mm. of a movie, right? And then the following image as you, it, almost like your, um, the, the, the intro, the introduction to that movie, right? And then the images that follow will be kind of more feature intensive, right? Where you're kind of diving into the ups and downs and the climax of the movie, uh, or the, uh, the um, you'd say the, the, the plot of the movie, right? And then finally you settle down in a positive note, you kind of relax the, 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 the psychology of the, of the buyer with a positive note by ending with an image with not, not, nothing information heavy. And that's the process I use. And this is what we use in motion design is that we create this narrative where we can tell a powerful story and leave the, 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 the mind to relax towards the end to, to think about a decision that they have to do, right? That's the process I went through with my product images and that's where I had success. Uh, and I created a process around this. I documented that process. Uh, and then I shared it with other entrepreneurs and people getting success that, you know, I, I, I'm proud to say and, and, and humble to say, in fact, that we're uh, in myself and our agency are responsible for uh, over uh, 15 Amazon businesses that have launched on Amazon and uh, attribute uh, and have uh, successfully hit seven figures in wow. sales, uh, through this method. So, yeah, <laughs> that, that's amazing. And so I find it fascinating and, and, you know, I talk a lot about, I'm sure you've heard me say that, you know, great careers are more like webs than ladders and how the side jogs on our careers inform each other. And it's interesting when you're talking about starting in film or motion design and then aspects of what you learned about story and story arcs and that, and that you then took it and applied it to how you construct an imagery story in doing Amazon products. I think that that's a really interesting jump. Okay, so you've established this process. You're helping other people through imagery, create great Amazon stores. They're having super success. You've, pro you know, kind of processed, um, you've created a process around the, the development of this imagery and really systematized it. So now let's talk about Glorify. So what was the impetus of that idea and what made you think that you could develop an app and do a software as a service? Like what got you there? I think I was inspired by another other entrepreneur, this, this whiz kid I met that also took advantage of opportunities when he saw it and just span out SaaS. He had no experience in tech, but he would just hire developers in the Southeast, you know, just to bootstrap it and then scale that way, you know, cause you can always get services um, for a lot cheaper when you're starting out, right? Um, if you hire, um, and it's, or if you hire people that are just starting out in their careers, of course, you know, mm -hmm. so there's different ways to do it, but that kind of inspiration, the realization of being able to automate something and scale my service, I mean, provide my service at scale was really attractive to me and people, and I've seen this pattern, like I said earlier, where creative professionals were doing this and other people, of course, were finding opportunities and and uh, taking advantage of them to serve serve people at scale. Um, and so that's where it happened, you know, because I realized I have a process, right? Um, and actually, I'd, I'd like to paraphrase someone, um, uh, this tech entrepreneur, you might have heard of Nathan Lacta. Lacta. Um, he's, he's a very big tech enthusiast in sort of the, you know, Silicon Valley space, right? And one of the things he said was, do you want to, well, he, he said on his LinkedIn page, I'll quote him, he said, do you want to, do you want to have a successful uh, million-dollar uh, revenue SaaS company? Um, you know, first work as a freelancer, scale to an agency, learn to solve high-stake problems at your agency, then spin out code, right? And then adopt your first hundred customers. 
um, I literally just followed, I, I, I followed that process, um, mm. just as many have, you know, and, and that's where Glorify was born. Um, took that process, created it into a template-based design software, which Glorify is helping entrepreneurs get kickstarted. And the philosophy of Glorify really is a very balanced approach where not only is it um, very easy to use for non-designers, uh, non right? So stakeholders can get kick, kicked off in it, but also it's powerful enough for professional designers. So we're seeing more and more designers using, using Glorify as a handoff tool um, to their uh, you know, entrepreneur counterparts so that they can, you know, so the entrepreneurs can take care of the tidbits that the designer doesn't want to take care of because we designers, we experience this all the time, you know, change the color red, it converts better, change the copy to this. Uh, oh, by the way, the ad, this ad performed better. Can you tweak this text? You know, on, uh, Glorify gives the opportunity for um, entrepreneurs to take care of those things um, and, you know, giving more stamina for the designer to do what he does best, best which is, was, which is, you know, uh, create, right? Um, so that, I hope that answers the question. Yeah, for, it definitely you know, does. So we did. get into a little nitty gritty of what Glorify does. I mean, when you come to Glorify's website, you see that it does, um, you know, for product photography. So it, you can get rid of backgrounds and you can manipulate images. It does, but it does a whole lot of stuff. You also list things like adverts and, and social media and e-commerce and ebooks, webinars, like it has a lot of different functionalities. So talk about kind of the range of things that you can do in the Glorify space. Yeah. So, it, you know, and this is, I'm kind of almost trying pitching to a VC now. This is what I usually say when I pitch to VCs. Yeah, pitch. The, the 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 problem <laughs> the problem Philip uh, in the ecom by the way ecom as an industry is you know and when we talk about e-commerce by the way it's important to define it because most people think e-commerce equals physical products but it's not just physical products right um, e-commerce you know defined by Mailchimp uh, by the way in the, one of their recent blogs is um, both physical products digital products and services any sale made online by definition is e-commerce mm -hmm. right so that transaction so. With that in mind, like any e-commerce entrepreneur, when they're starting out, right, and majority of people do the statistics for this, that I think 16% of US Americans um, start a business as a side hustle, right? So no doubt they're bootstrapping. They can't afford the sun and the moon to begin with, right? So they need something to kick off. And there are DIY tools to set up your website. You know, people have heard of Wix, Shopify, the uh, WordPress, et cetera. There's tools to get your email sequencing game done. Um, you know, there's, there's a bunch of stuff that you can DIY through, DIY your way through, but there's not enough, I would argue, design solutions that are, most well, the existing design, design solutions are either too complex, right? Like Photoshop, Illustrator, mm -hmm. or they're not tar uh, conversion friendly. They don't help skyrocket sales, they're generic, right? And most of them, most of them uh, are really, uh, don't guarantee you, you know, results in your marketing. You know, it's it's almost like shooting shooting in the dark. So that's what Glorify attempts to do. We our team studies successful campaigns, pumps up a software with high converting templates uh, in the different various niches. Uh, all our templates are divided and categorized via niche. Um, every template that we design in Glorify is further expanded into a bundle. So if you like a template in Glorify, guess what? You have the matching ad set for it. You have the matching ebook for it. So you can mm. get your entire business. You can get your entire business campaign in a matter of minutes, right? Uh, and that's the advantage we do. And we have machine learning. So we personalize the experience for entrepreneurs. If entrepreneurs starts in Glorify, we take a little bit of information from them on the onboarding to ask them, okay, what kind of entrepreneur are they? What business model are they on? Is it Amazon? Is it drop shipping? Is it eBay? Is it boutique e-commerce? Are they selling courses? We get that info. Uh, and you know the platforms that matter to them the most, like Facebook, 
Instagram? Are they marketing on TikTok? Take that info and then serve them via machine learning the best content that matches their business model and their niche. Um, so that that is really how we're differentiating. Um, and when the entrepreneur starts solo, he can launch, get to market, generate sales as he grows. He invites his uh, design team, and it's a safe haven. Like designers can fall, you know, designers can find a home in it because there's no uh, this pure creative freedom. It's it's a balanced approach, uh, and entrepreneurs can still um, you know find ease at it because it's not too complex. So it's that mm. perfect balance. This episode of the Brand Design Masters podcast is sponsored by Bring Your Own Laptop. BYOL.me is a top-tier Adobe application video training website featuring Daniel Scott. Daniel's a certified Adobe trainer and keynote speaker at the Adobe Max conference every year. At BYOL.me forward slash Philip, you can learn everything from the basics to advanced aspects of your favorite Adobe applications, all for one low monthly subscription fee. Visit BYOL.me forward slash Philip. P-H-I-L-I-P. Again, that's B-Y-O-L dot M-E forward slash Philip. I just know you're going to be amazed at Bring Your Own Laptops courses. I went on the site and tried to get my head around all of the things that Glorify did, but I wanted you to articulate it a little better than I probably would have. But one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was the branding of Glorify. And, you know, you established an Amazon FBA business. You helped other people establish successful businesses around that. So you have experience in branding and um, and design to an extent. And before we hit record on today's podcast, um, I was talking about, you know, a bee in my bonnet that I get sometimes with tech companies because I feel like they sometimes prioritize product um, and uh, functionality before understanding the consumer the consumer problem or thinking about branding or brand strategy, and they get way down the road, develop a you know a lot of different brand touch points in an ecosystem before they ever really realize what kind of visual ecosystem they have to set up, and then they go then then they're kind of backtracking and cleaning up as they go along. And I I was expecting. That you would agree with me. And then you go, well, I, you know, you took an opposing viewpoint. So I'd love to hear the kind of con to that perspective is what are the benefits of a tech company, like waiting on the branding and the strategy or the thinking around customer to do that after the product is, is rolled out. It's, it's a, a very good question. And, and, and it's something that I've been intrigued myself for a long time. And I've come to the position of, um, you know, brand, uh, sorry, first launch, first branding later, right? For tech startups specifically. And I'll tell you the reason why. You see, like a lot of the technology, technology has skipped so far um, in the last decade that most tech, most new technology that's rolling out is an improvement of something that already exists, right? That's the reality of it, right? It's very rare. And if there is an opportunity of something that is completely, you know, uh, unique, then that's great. But it's very rare these days. It's usually an improvement. With that in mind, a lot of startups and founders need to bootstrap to a certain degree. They can't get initial fund. It's very difficult these days to get initial funding. Um, you know, we're a post-revenue company, yet, you know, and this is across the board for many companies like us that have even reached to a series A level investment. That is, you know, a ten, tens of millions or five a five million investment or ten million investment round. Um, you know, it, it takes it, it, you know, 
to get there, you need to have traction now. You know, VCs look for traction. They want to see that you've got a user base, you've got product market fit, uh, and you're actually solving a real problem, right? And so you can't base it on just a pitch that is empty based on, oh, look how glorious this product is. Functionality is a thing of the past. It's about user experience now, right? And now with that in mind, what founders do now is they they have to bootstrap, they have to get to market, and they just don't have the money to uh, think about this this holistic brand strategy in terms of they can do it to a certain extent. Yeah. But what you just described to a certain extent is brand strategy. When you're talking about your pitch and, and ha- understanding the need, the consumer experience, all of that is branding and planful brand strategy. You're totally right there. But um, what, what I mean to say is that I, I'm not saying brand strategy is not important in this initial stage, but I think it's founder driven. It's, it's not the case that startups are going to hire uh, brand strategists okay. in this phase, you know. So, um, you know, the, the, a lo- they're spit, a lot they're of- spitballing, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, a- they're spitballing. They're kind of coming up with a, a, a an idea, and they have to they shooting a dart at that target. And if it hits, great. If it doesn't, but they need they just need a handle to tell their story. They have to, to a certain degree. They have to do it intuit- intuitively. Um, you know, use their domain expertise, and they just have to to some extend, make a lot of assumptions, right? And that's the point of bootstrapping, right? And I did, you know, I had domain expertise. Uh, I'm fortunate that I understand brand strategy. And by the way, a lot of founders do understand brand strategy now. It's it's content. You've been producing a lot of content on it. I know other experts in the space have been producing it. So people are getting educated about it. Um, and so now business, you know, business of the past, this whole corporate structure of, you know, casting the creative professional to the corner is not, is a thing of the past. Like designers are really becoming high valued people now sometimes the most highest value people in companies. Um, and I want to give you a quick example of this whole rebranding situation that, um, you know, the best example, and, and, and um, I think a lot of creative professionals would, would, would appreciate this is Instagram, right? Instagram had to launch, like the, 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 the developer had an idea, uh, bootstrapped, he's not a designer, but he actually designed his own logo, right? And he had to bootstrap his way through to get his product to market, right? And oftentimes in tech products, you don't actually understand who your user base until you get, you're out there, right? Um, so th- th- there is a, a little bit of assumption, and then you're out in the market. Like our product, Glorify, has evolved so much since we launched. Like we thought it was just going to be Amazon sellers, but it's evolved a whole lot since then, right? So you don't actually know how uh, the market is going to adopt your product, right? So you have to go open-minded, right? And if you have a very strict brand brand strategy um, guideline in the beginning, then you might go into it a bit sort of biased, right? Uh, And so Mm -hmm. that's why I think uh, Instagram had a lot of success because he went out, got to market, got product market fit with hundreds of thousands of user base, and then in comes in Ian Spatler, right? Uh, Spalter. Um, He's featured in Netflix in the... Uh, abstract, I think it's called the abstract design documentary. The one of the episodes there, beautiful episode mm-hmm. by the way. He's a product designer um, and and brand and, and brand strategist, more focused in in product design. Um, and he's he's a name, uh, a creative professional that is highly recognized in the Silicon Valley space. Redesigned the Instagram logo, mm-hmm. right? In the history of tech, is probably the most controversial but most successful brand uh, brand um, uh, rebrand, right? Because it brought on so much argument from the user base, saying that this, like, you know, it was very controversial. People hated it at first. People made fun of it. People mm. made gifts about it. You know, you had this kid with the mullet. I don't know if you saw that 
gif um no. like there's there's no. this kind of 60s kid in the with a the mullet they had a gif of him kind of using this old 60s computer and then he just they just throw this uh, old kind of word art gradient on the instagram logo because that's what it looks like right um yeah, and and but at the same time right after that the adoption curve went from hundreds of thousands of users on instagram to now billions right i mean to a couple mm. a, a couple of billion right which is which is insane. So that's that's the power of rebranding in the future because going open-minded and realizing that you're only going to get the unit metrics and the the, the user behavior later on uh, based on the user adoption of your product, you know? And so uh, branding later is more important than branding before. And one last thing I want to add to that is that it is not a detriment to your, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the cost of rebranding is not a lot for these companies because once they get product market fit, People already know who you are, you know. If Facebook does a rebrand tomorrow, no one's going to care. You know, they they're going to do it for whatever uh, you know philosophy they have in mind, whatever you know what what's their goal for their product, right? It could be to make it more responsive, mobile, you know, make it more mobile responsive, right? Whatever that goal is, goal is, if they decide to do that, it's not going to um, uh, create churn on their user base, you know. So. That's <laughs> I completely disagree on that one. <laughs> I think, I mean, it's like if Facebook decided to rebrand, I think there would be billions of people making gifts and making fun of it and and having huge issues with it. They can, That's one of the reasons they feel like a dinosaur now is they haven't been able to evolve their interface at the rate that they should have been because they've got billions and billions of users and you change one button, everyone freaks out about it. I mean, what you're talking about to an extent, I don't want to make it sound like I think that a brand should spend millions of dollars and, you know, create some sort of set of handcuffs around brand strategy and brand identity while they're still in nascent development stages. I don't mean that at all. But I think that um, just as the MVP model of minimum viable product model in, in Silicon Valley and developing software iteratively, yeah. iteratively, <laughs> Really, I haven't been drinking. Um, iteratively, they uh, and then taking user feedback and adjusting the product as you go along, so you're building something that people actually want to use. I've done a number of videos already, actually, on something I call MVB, which is a minimum viable brand, where you're essentially branding in the exact same way. So you're going about it in a very minimal way and building and responding to user feedback as you build the brand. Yeah. So to a certain extent, I think that that's what tech companies do. They take the same approach to pro to branding as they do to product, yeah. which makes sense. I mean, the, the, um, you know, the tech industry is littered with companies that have made massive pivots. I mean, Pinterest was like some sort of uh, it, the, the app that it is now in terms of being a, you know, an image collection program, essentially in categorization program was nothing like it was like a scrapbooking type of app. And then they found out that all the users really liked the cataloging and image saving aspect of it. And they pivoted the entire it, and that was like a tiny little functionality of the program in the beginning. And then that completely usurped the entire original purpose of Pinterest. So I thought that that was kind of interesting. So Let's talk about your professional journey just a little bit. Yeah, sure. Um, you said, did you go to school for motion design? Yes, yeah, I did. So motion design graduated 2011. Yeah, wow. So that's quite a while ago. And and um, I was very fortunate. As soon as I graduated, I, I, I jumped on the, the tech bandwagon, which was just sort of starting to boom at that time. You know, so I had a, okay. I had a friend um, working in a tech company, sort of competitor to... Uh, 
um, TripAdvisor, right? And, mm-hmm. um, f- and and I was very fortunate, you know. So like literally just hopped from university to this to this startup, and you know started as a junior animator and worked my way through. Awesome. And so, do you, have you had any mentors along the way, or really heavy influences that really have kind of been? Um, uh, key in how you've shaped your career? Yeah. I mean, I do, I do two things. I, I, I've been fortunate to have real life mentors, um, both professionally, spiritually, um, but I also hijack mentors. And I have to say, Philip, again, I've hijacked you uh, when, when I first discovered <laughs> you back in 2017. So, um, you know, I like to, uh, you know, I find, uh, I find mentors online, um, you know, that um, like for example, when I, before I discovered you, uh, you know, I didn't understand brand strategy as I do now. Uh, and I think parallel to when I discovered you, I also discovered, you know, the likes of Chris Doe, uh, Jose Caballero, sure. Jose Caballero, which I've been fortunate to do a podcast with. And Chris Doe, actually, I was able to do a, a London-based event with him in he, here with, with his team, which was, which was really, really something that, um, I'm truly grateful for. Uh, but, but people like that, you know, meeting them online for, I mean, meeting them, so to speak, not really meeting them, but seeing them online uh, was how I was able to consume that content and really up my level and my game, you know? And I think a lot of growth comes there, comes from there because it's people who have done it better than you who have, have tons of experience, right? Uh, and, but also, also I think it's important to have the real touch, no doubt, um, you know, face-to-face with real people is really important because they understand your circumstances better and they can kind of really, uh, you know, help you uh, kind, of, kind of navigate that. Uh, and if I was to pick a couple of people, whew, I don't know where to start, man. <laughs> Those are friends and stuff like that. But I thing is, I, I keep, I, I'm a chameleon, man. I learned from so many people. I, I used to be a hippie and I used to kind of hop from, I used to go to a lot of raves back in the day, to be honest. Right. And okay. I, I'm past that life now. I, I quit that life a while ago, but in that life, I learned from someone how to love myself. Right. Um, uh, one particular person who's a very close friend um, till today uh, was able to teach me how to uh, truly love myself because she was able to truly love herself, right? Which was um, very inspiring, mm. you know, and, and um, you know, not in that kind of, you know, narcissistic way, but to kind of really appreciate, you know, your, your strengths, you know, and have a good, honest lens about yourself and appreciate and be empathized. Yeah. Uh, that's one lesson. And then business wise, you know, um, was like I said, you guys from, from online, the online space, but I have a mentor who's my fortunate, I'm fortunate enough to be my partner today. Um, so his name is Harun Rashid. He's, uh, my business partner. He's more senior to me. He's been entrepreneurship, had massive failures, massive successes. So he's got so much wisdom. Um, he's the kind of, you know, guy that handles the kind of VC aspect of glorify the funding, the, the finances, the, the project, the, all this stuff that creative professionals just don't want to deal with, right? He deals with, mm-hmm. um, you know, because yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm wrapping my head around it, and I have to because being a co-founder is important. But you know, having someone to guide you through that's so important. And so he's, I think, one of a very important business mentor I have at the moment. Yeah. So I think those are uh, the the people in my in a nutshell. I would say my wife is a, a big mentor of mine as well. Uh, okay. both a therapist and, and a mentor of mine. Your very smart husband bringing the wife in there is, a, is an influence. <laughs> that, that, that is an honest. Make sure she listens to the podcast. <laughs> that, that is. Knows she gets that's, mentioned. That's a very honest, honest um, uh, review there because uh, again, like uh, a lot of um, the, my growth has happened uh, through, through her kind of watch. So 
So how do you, you know, how do you continue to grow? How do you stay inspired in what you do day to day? Where do you find inspiration for, for, you know, new ideas for business or where Glorify is going? Yeah, that's, well, the thing is recently I've been trying to try, try not to be too inspired (laughs) because you can get shiny objects. Too many ideas. Yeah. You can get shiny object syndrome and like, I want to build everything like in the tech space. I want to build this app. I want to build that app and imagine an app like this, but you got to double, you got to double down and focus sometimes. But, um, uh, yeah, I do get inspired, no doubt. Right. Um, uh, and inspiration comes from many forms for me. It's, it, you know, I, I have a little bit of a workflow on, 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 uh, my, my, my laptop, for instance, I have, uh, extension called Muesli. I love to, you know, cause I don't follow any particular, I do follow a few people in a particular way. I have people that I'm fans of, right. Um, but I also like to discover things randomly, you know, because I think creative um, inspiration is universal. And I don't think just double down and, and focusing on one person is healthy, right? Um, you can be a fans of people, but I think it's open to keep an open mind. So Muesli is a great extension. You see a lot of creative um, sort of um, um, uh, sort of breakthroughs being featured on there, right? So from web design to UX, UI, graphic design, logo design, et cetera. Um, and Behance, Dribble, I just, I, I love surfing because, because now that we run a company, uh, we're constantly on there looking for, uh, opportunity for, to, to bring, you know, people into the team, you know? And so we do, we mm. do always list people from Dribble and Behance and man, there's so much talent out there. It's insane. You know, and I get inspired by that. Um, so yeah. how many, how many people are on your team these days? Um, yeah. So right now, um, so sorry, if you don't mind, I want to drop one more inspiration uh, before I answer that question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the one more inspiration I have is uh, uh, you know a few successful entrepreneurs that truly motivate me. I think uh, uh, there's a range of people, but Tom Bilyeu is one of them. Um, he's got an amazing podcast. Uh, you might have heard of uh, um, the Impact Theory. Check that out. And there's so many amazing mm. guests on there for mindset. Uh, it's just amazing. Um, Gary V in some aspects, not all the time, but a lot of things that he said has really resonated with me, you know, especially when he, his kind of, um, depiction of what's happening, going to happen in the future in terms of the, the, the economy. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm really inspired by those people to be able to, you know, um, to project and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And, 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 uh, I'll really like, sorry, there's one last guy I have to mention, um, is Aaron Draplin. You know, I had him on our podcast recently and he's such a, inspiration because he's so true to himself and i love that and that inspires me uh but yeah to answer your question i'm sorry i had to i had to drop those in but uh, no no no. (laughs) uh, your follow-up question was uh my team do you want me to answer that Mm -hmm. yeah sure um yeah so in in regards to uh, our team we're now 28 team members strong um you know since we launched we've been really investing in our team and um, you know, VCs always say this, that they don't invest in the product, you know, they invest in the team. Uh, and so we need to kind of, every pitch is really about that. It's about, okay, it's not about the product, but it's about the market opportunity, telling the investors that this market opportunity is what our team can solve, you know, and proving that to some degree in that one, that one meeting. So yeah, that's where we are so far with the team. Now, chances are many of you listening might have first come across me via my YouTube channel. Building my presence on YouTube has done more to build my personal brand than any other platform. So I want to share with you the one resource that was critical in growing my channel. 
It's a YouTube plugin called TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy is a freemium browser extension that you use to manage and optimize your YouTube channel videos. It saves a massive amount of time doing the mundane tasks like adding cards and managing your video descriptions. But it also provides incredible value through its video analytics, showing you data about your competitors' videos that's absolutely invisible without it. It also helps with adding metadata to your videos so they show up better in search. If you want to take your YouTube work to the next level, you have to get TubeBuddy. You can support this podcast by signing up through our affiliate link. Just go to TubeBuddy.com slash Philip Van Dusen. It's easy to remember. Just type in TubeBuddy.com slash Philip Van Dusen to check it out. By adding TubeBuddy to your video workflow, I guarantee you your channel will grow much, much faster. Just go to TubeBuddy.com slash Philip Van Dusen and sign up for TubeBuddy today. Well, that sounds fantastic that uh, Glorify is growing like that and you've gotten so much traction. It's a really amazing tool and I encourage anybody who's listening to go check it out, especially if you're a creative pro and deal with any kind of imagery or ads or social media, need some sort of template solutions that you might not be able to find other places. It's really got great functionality. So that is uh, tells a great story of your successes. But everybody has stumbling blocks or, or challenges that they've had in their development or in development of their business. Can you share like one or two of the, the, the tough points that you've had? What point is not a tough point? You know, it's like, <laughs> it's just constant, uh, you know, it's just constant uh, problems to solve. Like, uh, it, and this is something, you know, I know it sounds cliche, Gary V says this, but I'm a firefighter. Like when you're, when you're running a company, there's just yeah. nonstop problems that you got to keep solving. Like I'll give an example, Philip, like just the other day we had a DOS attack um, oh. on our website, which was really, and, and we have security blocks and stuff like that, but it bypassed it. And our, our 1000 yeah. active users, we have a, you know, we have a monthly active user base uh, of 20,000, but on a unique per, per day is about a thousand uh, consecutively. So mm-hmm. all thousand of them started complaining, you know, on the community and, and um, so that, that things like that, that's what I have to deal with. Um, how do I deal with it? It's really, you know, uh, th- there's been times where my lowest of low built, you know, building the startup where, you know, I wasn't sure if we can see like the horizon, is there a light at the end of this tunnel? Or are we just going to consistently build? Right. And, and what mm. gives me comfort really is the idea of, being relentlessly persistent because there's competitive. One other thing I need to say is that, and I'm not going to mention who, but there's been a unicorn competitor that's been behind us, uh, sort of, um, you know, claim, and this, this happens a lot. Unicorns like to bully little startups, right. And they've been creating unfounded legal, uh, issues in regards to, uh, our, our, our application mm. and our branding specifically, uh, which has no, um, all of them are unfounded, right. And so we have to hire lawyers and that's a massive expense and stuff like that. And, and sometimes you think to yourself that, okay, there's these unicorns out there and you have to deal with them. And can, is there any room for us to even compete? And that's the realization I came to speaking to other founders is that we're not in competition. We're trying to create our own history and you should believe that, you know, if you're trying to solve a problem, you are creating your own history. Right. And my mantra is sort of be relentlessly persistent, but love the journey, not the outcome, you know? Um, continue. Mm. And I'm always, I'm, I, I don't live in that zone. I'm always trying to 
move towards that zone, that, that kind of level of, 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 uh, being, you know, and if I can consistently move towards that, then I, I find myself to be more happier. Um, and, and another comfort that gives me as well is that there's always in the tech space, at least whatever space you are in, I'll find, you'll find that there's, you know, Titans are small, uh, are slow moving, right? So something to keep in mind is that the underdogs can move much faster and smarter than, than slow moving Titans. It's happened so many times. Um, and I'd like to give three examples, ClickUp, uh, product ma project management tool just recently raised, I think their series BC valued at 1 billion, uh, you know, skyrocketed to, to a billion dollar valuation, you know, project management, there's a sea of products out there and they were able to to, to deliver value to a very niche audience, you know, and you've got tools like Asana, Monday.com, Basecamp. So it, it just goes to show that you, you need to find, uh, there's, there's never short of technology to improve, right? Um, and another example is Razor. Like, you know, Razor uh, really made a big comeback, um, you know, in the midst of Microsoft and Apple, you know, with their branding, focus branding on, on gaming, but even now tapping to the creative market. Um, and if you don't mind me mentioning one more, um, which is uh, Tenzing, a very big inspiration for me. Uh, Tenzing is an energy drink. Um, they are competing, technically competing against Red Bull, but they're making their own history again. The ex, the, the founder of Tenzing is an ex-marketer of Red Bull, right? And he, he knew mm. that um, beautiful story. And, and this is, I think, part of their growth was through brand story, right? Um, he discovered the unhealthy ingredients of Red Bull. So he decided to create his own product. He did a lot of soul searching. He found this um, brew that was developed by the native tribes people of the Himalayas, the Sherpas, right? They use this brew. It's a brew of, you know, Himalayan rock salt, uh, guarana, you know, green coffee, tea, lemon, and a bunch of other, you know, really healthy plant-based, pu purely plant-based experience, uh, green ingredients. They use that brew to actually climb to the Everest, right? To give them that energy boost. He took that. He he made. Mm. He took those ingredients. And made his own energy drink. I, I, I've got a. I've got a stack of it somewhere in my in my cupboard. I'm a massive fan of his. I'm gonna have to check it out because if anyone who knows me and has watched me live anywhere knows that I am like a Red Bull fanatic <laughs> because it keeps my lips moving when I'm going live. So I'm gonna have to check have this to. out because people tease me relentlessly about how bad it is for me. So. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to check underdog there. You know, they're, they're really Tenzing. making an impact in the space and so much so that he's so clever that he's tapping into this entrepreneurship space so that, you know, comp like startups are getting like, um, uh, orders into their companies for their staff, you know? And so that's, um, and yeah, and you can, you can subscribe to it to get, uh, get a, a pack. I think every, every, uh, two weeks, for instance, I'm, I'm part of the subscription. Oh, really? Really awesome business model as well. <laughs> So really great. disrupting, man. <laughs> Soft drink by subscription. Yeah. I love that. That's a great idea. <laughs> so you touched, I always end my podcast by acting, asking my guests uh, one question, and that is, do you have a personal mantra or manifesto that you live your life by? And you kind of touched on it, but I didn't want to, you know, kind of pigeonhole you into the one that you just talked about. But um, do you have something like that that you kind of really try to revolve your reason detra around? Yeah, I mean... Uh, that, you know, I can answer this in that in a one in one sentence, and I can also answer it in a bit of a, in, in a bit of a, a paragraph, if you will. Um, but but the short answer is what I said earlier, which is you know just being persistent, but enjoying the journey along the way. Because mm -hmm. persistence alone, right. you'll get obsessed, and when you're obsessed, you can't focus. Uh, you know, you just like there was a founder um, that launched a, a competitor to Asana, and lost billions of millions of dollars, right, in the process just because of his entire mindset was focused on competing, right? 
and, and mm. you can see his language. He did a tweet recently. His language and the way he described his journey as entrepreneurship was always in battle. I'm always in a battle, right? With, you know, like I was in battle with Asana. Asana launched this feature. We had to launch this feature and then they launched it. So, but, you know, you shouldn't be like that. You should be persistent, um, but enjoy the journey, you know, and create your own history. I think mm. that would sum up my own, um, my, my own mantra. I want to pepper it with one last thing is emotion intelligence because uh, I've, I've met founders in the past like this, right? Um, I've been in the entrepreneurship space for a while and new and upcoming founders, uh, we live in a space where, um, you know, people want fast results. It's a, um, what's the word for it again? The, um, uh, the you know, like instant gratification, right? Uh, that's the kind of world we're living in. And I, I do worry about that, right? And I think it's all creeping into our lives. And because of this expectation of success, it can kind of give you a very flawed view of what, what you can be, what you can do uh, and achieve. And a- anyone can mm. go on Instagram today and type CEO, right? Uh, and suddenly they're just living the life, right? And and the way to counter that is just have focus on emotional intelligence, you know, um, emotional intelligence is, you know, what I pepper my mantra with is that, you know, try to have honest discussions with yourself um, and keep grounded and speak to people that are more experienced to humble yourself. Uh, speak to people that will give you an honest review of yourself. You know, if you're, you know, are you being biased? Are you being narcissistic? You know, because if you don't have emo- emotional intelligence, you can become narcissistic, you know, and you'll have a skewed view about yourself. And so if you're going to go into entrepreneurship, you want success, you need to have a high level of empathy and EQ. <laughs> Excellent. Absolutely. Great words to live by. I love that. So Omar, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I'm really glad you came. Is uh, How can people get in touch with you? What's the best way to um, to follow you or um, or connect with you? Yeah, there's a couple of ways. You can hit me up in LinkedIn um, You know, for a more kind of professional approach if you're interested. Um, I'm kind of active on Facebook, but it's more personal. Um, uh, you can check out glorify.com by all means, uh, and there's a community for that. And lastly, we've got Instagram, both for Glorify and my personal. My personal, I've just started building it up. So I'm producing a bit of content like on my personal brand just very recently, uh, but it's a very slow process. There's not, I don't have many followers or anything like that, but I think I'm trying, to, you know, you might find some value there on, on this whole tech space that I'm in. So Omar Farouk of Glorify, thank you so much for joining us on the Brand Design Masters podcast. I hope you'll come back again sometime soon. Thank you so much, Philip. It's you know, truly an honor to be here and I appreciate you inviting me. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.